Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Last year was a very exciting year for us as a church in many ways. And one of the exciting things was that we um, really got into a new network that we've helped establish. Uh, It's called the Further Faster Network. And it's a group of churches in the UK. We're one of the five founding churches. And we've set up a network. We've set set up a charity, set up an entity. And we we exist to help churches grow by reaching people that don't normally go to church. Okay, And that's what we've set ourselves up for. We've put on some events. We're starting to uh, build relationships with other churches around the UK and Ireland. And try and help each other to grow by reaching people that don't normally come to church. And there's a church in America that's been doing this for about 25 years called North Point. Uh, It's led by a guy called Andy Stanley. There are about 40,000 people in their church. So they're quite a big church. And they've got a network of churches. And they're helping us to do this as well. And we've been really, really blown away by their generosity and by their heart and by their willingness. Not to say, hey, we've got it all together. But to say, hey, we want to serve you. We want to invest in you. They're investing financially into this. And they're investing investing in terms of resources as well. And so one of the things that we're going to do at the start of this year is that we're going to use one of their teaching series, which is called You're Not the Boss of Me. So this was done first by Andy Stanley about a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago. So it's his content that I'm going to be passing on to you because it's so good and so out of the Bible, I thought I can't really say this any better. Now I will be bringing some of my own thoughts to it, but this is basically his material that we're going to pass on to you guys and you are going to love it. I am honestly convinced of that. So you're not the boss of me. Who likes being told what to do? Oh, that many. That's it. None of us like being told what to do. Kids don't like being told what to do, do they? I remember when, um, you know our youngest son, Simeon, who's got learning disabilities and special needs. And, and he was, when he was little, he was a real handful. I mean, he's a handful now at 25. But when he was little, he was a real handful. And often we had to tell him what to do and what not to do, all right? And he very rarely listened. And um, some of you remember some of these stories that I've told you before. We were on a beach somewhere. And uh, he's always fascinated with anything sensory, okay? So anything like mud anything like that he loves it and we walked on this beach and there's a whole load of people who spent hours and hours making incredible incredibly complex sandcastles that weren't just a sandcastle like I used to do with a bucket and you just go like that but they had moats and they had turrets and they had flags and they had everything and there was a whole row of them and I looked at Simeon and he looked at me and Alison and we looked at each other and we knew what was going on and I said Simeon don't and it was too late and he ran and he ran and he kicked through every single one of these sandcastles and I'm telling him not to do it but he's doing it and I don't know about you but kids don't like being told what to do adults don't like being told what to do Recently, in fact, last week, my wife said, please don't dance. When we were at a disco or a party, a disco, it shows my age, doesn't it? When we were at a wedding, a disco, come on, Bee Gees, bring it on. It's proper songs, proper tunes. And, 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 and she told me what not to do, but I just couldn't, I've just got to dance. And I just had to do it. We don't like being told what to do. And here's the reason that we don't like being told what to do. Because the Western dream is summed up in this one word, autonomy. That's what we're all looking for. Autonomy basically means I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I have the money to do it and I have the money to keep me out of trouble if I get caught, okay, if it's not right. I want to do what I want to do. That's the Western dream summed up in that one word there, autonomy. We see it all the time. I want to determine who I am. I want to determine my relationships. I want to determine what I can eat. Really funny, this week I saw a newspaper article. Do you know the singer Meatloaf? 
Anyone remember the singer Meatloaf? Bat out of hell. None of you are listening to that song. Apparently, he's turned vegan. I just think this is hysterical. But apparently, he refuses to change his name to Veg Loaf. Now, I don't know whether this is a genuine story or not, but there's something, there's something about us that we want to be autonomous. We want to make our own decisions. You see, we have a belief that says this. When I can make my own choices, I will make the right choices. When I can make my own choices, then I'll make the right choices. And we see other people and they make ridiculous choices. Don't they ever thought of that? How on earth can they do that? Aren't they so ridiculous? Anyone ever thought that? The problem is they're thinking that about you and they're thinking that about me. Because when we get to be autonomous and we think, when I can make my own choices, then I'll make the right choices. But of course, you and I don't often do that. And you ever done something when you thought, why did I do that? Anyone thought that? Or what was I thinking? And then you realise you weren't. Why did you make those kind of choices you made? Here's the reason why you made those kind of choices. We don't get into trouble because we won't take advice. We get into trouble because we take our own advice and our own advice is always filtered through our own emotions. And I want you to know at the start of 2020 that there is a boss of you. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, we believe that that boss is Jesus. But there are other bosses of you, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. And the bosses of you and I are our emotions. And if we don't learn to handle our emotions, they will become the boss of us. And our decisions and what we do and how our life turns out and what 2020 looks like will be governed not by our intentions, but by our emotions because we can't handle these things which are so powerful. And this series is all about this question. How do we say no to the emotions that compete for control? This morning, I want to set it up and give us an introduction. I want to really encourage you over the next six weeks to try and say, hey, do you know what? At the start of this new year, I'm going to be there every single week. And at Hells Owen and at Hagley and at Rowley, we're doing exactly the same material. I'm going to be teaching every week here at Hells Owen. The rest of our teaching team are going to do Rowley and Hagley as well. And every single week, we're going to look at a different emotion. How do we say no to the emotions that compete for control. You see, what you and I do is we learn to monitor our behaviour, don't we? We learn to monitor our behaviour so we can get a job interview, so we can get a job, so we can hold down a job, so we get a date, so we get a second date, so we get married, so we, so we stay married. What we learn to do is we learn to monitor our actions or our behaviour. But here's the thing, there are always bosses on the inside of us. And these bosses can do incredible damage to our relationships and to our life. The boss of envy, the boss of anger, the boss of guilt, the boss of fear. And if we don't learn to manage those emotions, that can affect all of the relationships that we care about. Um, Alison and I have been married this year for 30 years and uh, we got together when we were teenagers and we're both pretty strong people. We're both pretty feisty people uh, and um, I am... Very passionate, as you know, uh, and quite emotional. And uh, when we were first going out together as teenagers, we were both so strong. And then we got married and, um, and we were still kind of really trying to work this whole married thing out. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You've, okay, you've got it all sorted. Um, but we were trying to work it all out. And I remember uh, in those early days, we had some very, very feisty conversations that developed into more than conversations. And there was one occasion when, when I had this kind of um, like, um, it was porridge or something, wasn't it? Or yogurt or what was it? 
rice pudding. Do you remember it? It was about 30 odd years ago. I had this rice pudding and I spilt it on me, okay, as I sat down on the, on the chair to eat it. And I was so emotionally and, and, and like, I would just spark up like that that I, I just threw it everywhere. I just reacted out of my emotion and just threw it everywhere. And I said, right. And she's like really calm, but she's feisty as well, okay? But she's very calm and placid on, on the outside and on the surface. And she said, right, if you're going to do that, and she had a pot of yogurt, I'm going to do that. And she threw yogurt all around the living room. And yes, she did. And, and, I remember, and, then, and then we looked at each other and just burst into laughter. And then, what on earth? But there were some occasions when we had some arguments. Um, and um, in the kitchen, I remember one when she had a bag of frozen peas and she threw it and I ducked. And we had frozen peas all around the kitchen forever. And the reason I'm telling you that story is that, is this. We are happily married for one reason. I learned to duck. No, that's not the reason. That's not the reason. We are happily married because we are learning to handle the emotions that compete for control. Because if, if we hadn't gone on that journey together, I'm not sure that we would be happily married right now. Because if we don't learn to handle the emotions that compete for control, then it will affect the life that you have. It really will. And we can have all the goals and all the resolutions and I'll go on the treadmill this year and I'll open my Bible this year and I'll clean out the junk in my garage and we can do all that and that's all good. But if less we learn to deal with the bosses of our emotions, we are going to end up in trouble. So... I want to, I want to, we're going to dig deep, okay, into a passage of Scripture from the Bible, and we're going to look at what Jesus says about this, because this is brilliant stuff. So here we're going to go. And it's to Matthew uh, chapter 15, and it says this. Then some Pharisees, and this is verse 1, some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem, and they asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, pause there, okay? Let me give you some explanation. Pharisees and teachers of the law, they are men who control pretty much everything in this culture, okay? And um, in the Jewish culture, uh, the Jewish culture is basically built on um, what they believe is the revealed uh, plan of God, which was given to Moses, uh, the Ten Commandments. You've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. But alongside the Ten Commandments came what, what was called the Oral Torah, which was basically a whole load of other lists that men kind of came up with, basically to keep control uh, and all of these things were, became rules and regulations that the Jewish people had to do. And they were basically there to keep the people under control. The problem is they made God seem very small and very petty. And can I tell you, he isn't. He isn't small and he isn't petty. But all of these rules made it feel like this. And so one of the rules was about washing your hands before you eat. Now that's a good thing to do hygienically, all right? But they elevated it way up. And so this is the context. So then the next verse, Jesus then said, Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? So in other words, you're more focused on that little thing that you guys made up rather than the big thing that God said you should do. That's really, really interesting. And, um, and, and then it goes on to say, and later on in verse 8, he says this, and this is how he nails it. These people honour me with their lips, but their, say the word, say the word, hearts are far. You see, you see, Jesus saying this, you guys are so focused on what's on the outside, okay, so behaviour and actions, that you miss out what's happening on the inside, and that's in your heart. That's where our emotions are at work. Okay, then let's carry on. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. But what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. 
Now, I want, you to, I want you to picture this, okay? Jesus says that, and all the disciples are going, hmm. And when he says this, he says, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. What comes out of their mouth, that's what defiles them. It's like Jesus drops his mic, and he walks off. It's like a, a, a moment. And the disciples think, yep, yeah, we've won. But they haven't got a clue how. Because they heard what he said, but they didn't understand what he said. And so then it says, it goes on to say, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? Just as a little aside, it's interesting going to Jesus and saying, do you know? Isn't it? <laughs> Can I say why this is really important that these things are left in the Bible? Of course Jesus knows because he knows everything. Okay? But actually, it's still okay to say, do you know, to Jesus, even though he does. You see, you see, why does Jesus say, hey, come and pray to me and share with me what's on your heart as if I don't know? Of course he knows. But he invites us into that because God's heart is relationship with you and me. And so, so can I just say, at the start of 2020, it's okay for you to say, hey, Jesus, do you know that I'm struggling right now? Like he does know, but he wants you to articulate that because he's more, import, he's more interested in relationship than in anything else. So if you are struggling at the start of 2020, if you are frightened, if you are fearful, if you are angry, if you are frustrated, it's okay to say to Jesus, do you know how angry and frustrated I am? Even though he knows that you are, it's okay to do that because he wants a relationship with you. And that's what people in relationship do, don't they? They talk and they share and they say, hey, what's going on for you? I want to hear. I want to listen. I want to understand. And that's what's happening. And so Jesus says, the disciples came to him rather, do you know the Pharisees were offended with this? And then it goes on to say this, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Carry on. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. The next one. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? This is like a biology lecture now, isn't it? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. Now, this is so interesting because as they listen to Jesus say, do you know that there are some things that go into your mouth and through into the stomach and out the other end? They're all thinking, yeah, we know that. That happens to us like two or three times a day. If you get older, it happens a lot more. Okay, and they basically know all that. They think, what's going on? And this is so, so important because the key is God is saying, listen, it's not that the things that come in that are important, it's what comes out. Because what's on the inside will come out. And it's that that defiles you. And that word defile is a religious word that it means it puts you at odds with God. When we're defiled, see, see I, used to, I used to grow up in a, in a Christian environment, which I'm very grateful and thankful for. But there was a little bit of a sense of, I am, I, I'm defiled by where I go, okay? Or, like, or by what I do, or if I was to drink something, or to eat something, or to watch something. That's the stuff that comes into me. But actually, very few people talked about what really defiles us is not what goes into us, but what comes out. Because ultimately, that's what defiles us. And it goes on to talk this. And here it comes in the next one. For out of the heart, is that word, let's say the heart again, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. This is what puts you at odds with God. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Like, that's an important thing. That's fine. That's hygienic. That's not a bigger deal as what's on the inside of you. 
And why does what's on the inside defile us? Why does it put us at odds with God? And here it is. Because if what comes out of you puts you at odds with other people, then that puts you at odds with God. Because what's inside of you will always come out of you. It will always spill out of you. (laughs) Let me say this, okay? Turn to the next one, Loris, if you can. Sometimes I say things I don't mean. Anyone ever thought that? It's not true. It's not true. This is what's true. Sometimes you say things you don't mean to say out loud. And when I saw this, I thought, that is so true. And I thought, for 50 odd years, I believed that other thing. Oh, darling, I didn't mean to say that. No, I did. I just didn't mean to say it out loud because it was in me. And this is revelation. And that doesn't mean that you'll get it. But when we say, oh, no, no, I didn't mean to say that. No, we did. We did. We just didn't mean to say it out loud. But when we did say it out loud, we said it out loud because it was on the inside. Because there was an emotion that was the boss of us and that emotion directed us. And so we said it out loud. And when we said it out loud, we hurt someone and that defiles us before God. Because when we hurt somebody who's made in the image of God, we damage the image of God in that person. We defile our relationship with God. We put it, it puts ourselves at odds with God. Here's another one. He made me so angry. Anyone ever thought that? Yeah? Or she, that's not the truth either. This is the truth. He surfaced the anger that was already there. (laughs) This is good, isn't it? I'm saying this is good because I didn't write this, but this is so good. Like, like, Like he didn't make you angry. She didn't make you angry. What they did was they surfaced the anger that was already there. Because it's what's on the inside that will always come out on the outside. What comes out of you is already in you. And so at the start of 2020, start of 2020, you need to know this. And this is okay with God. Can I say, this is, this is revelation to me as well, okay, in terms of in my Christian life. I always thought, you know, when I was growing up, that if there's anger in me or if there's lust in me or if there's whatever in me, then oh, keep that away from God. But God says, hey, whatever's in you, come on. I already know it anyway. And I love you. I love you with that anger. I love you with that lust. I love you with that envy. I love you with that greed. I love you with all that. But what is already in you will always come out of you. So you've got to give it to me. You've got to surrender it to a boss who is bigger than all of those emotions. What comes out of you is already in you. You know, our rituals and our traditions and our Um, disciplines are important. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's important. But I want you to know, and if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're checking out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus, don't misunderstand something, okay? When we talk about things like like encounter, you know, Friday night, we're going to come together, we're going to pray, we're going to worship. You know, God doesn't, isn't going to say, right, do you know what? Say, Andy, he's going to go for three hours. He's going to go for the whole three hours. Whatever he prays for, he's going to get because that boy's really committed. It doesn't work like that. And like for me, some, you know, I journal, which means that I have a journal on my iPad. I used to have note, paper and pen, but I, I journal probably three or four times a week, okay? Um, now, if I was to suddenly become a daily journaler, do I think then that God would say, hang on a minute, boys, like to the angels, Leon is getting really serious, okay? Because he's gone for three or four times a week to every day. Whatever pray he, prayer he prays, he's going to get the answer to, all right? It doesn't work like that. 
Or maybe she, maybe you're someone who kneels when you pray. That's great. But God doesn't look at you when you kneel when you pray and think you kneel when you pray. That's so amazing. I'm going to do whatever you want and I'm not going to do it for them. It doesn't work like that. That's the, they're important things, but they're not the main things that God is focusing on. God is more interested in what is going on on the inside of us, guys. Going, what is going on on the inside? Because what comes out of you is already in you. That's the issue. So over the next five weeks, what we're going to do and go on a journey together, and I want to encourage you to be here every single week. In fact, it's six weeks, including this week. And we're going to go on a journey, and we're going to be saying this a lot. You're not the boss of me. Now, can I just say, you're not to say this to your partner and you're not to say this to your boss when you go to work tomorrow, all right? Because they are the boss of you in that sense. But we're going to say it to guilt. We're going to say it to anger. We're going to say it to fear. We're going to say it to envy. Maybe we need to say it, some of us, to lust. Maybe we need to say it to insecurity. But we're going to say, you're not the boss of me because I have a boss who is bigger than you. And I'm not going to let that boss that's in me control what comes out of me. Because if I do that, it defiles my relationship with, with me and other people. And ultimately, my relationship with me and God. And I don't want to live like that. So, why don't we practice it together? So let's say it together. You're not the boss of me. Let's say it with a bit of attitude, guys. Come on. You're not the boss of me. And we are going to look at this together over the next few weeks. You know, the people closest to you experience the overflow of your heart every single day. And I, I'm getting more and more aware of this. And, and when I hurt Alison, and I do, because I'm human, I know that I hurt her because of the overflow of what's in my heart. And I can do all the stuff which I've, I myself do and I've heard other people do. Oh yeah, but she did this and she did that. And, the, and at the end of the day, all I'm doing is making excuses for the boss that's inside of me, my boss of my emotion. And I've got to take responsibility because every single day, people closest to me will experience the overflow of my heart. And that's true as parents. And you, you experience the overflow of what was in your parents' hearts to you. And your kids experience what's in the of the overflow of what's in your hearts to them. And some of the reasons we're going to look at this later, why some of us struggle to overparent, why some of us struggle to underparent, is related to the emotions that are in us and the bosses of those emotions and how they control and lead and, and, and take us forward. So if you are a Jesus follower, you already have a boss who is bigger than any of your emotions. Isn't that amazing? And your boss at the start of this year and at the start of this new decade, he gives you a massive invitation today. And we've looked at these few verses quite a few times last year, but they seem to be coming back and coming back. I think every time they come back, they come back with a little bit of a different kind of twist. And here is this incredible, incredible invitation. Come to me, says Jesus. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Maybe you're weary of letting that boss push you around all the time. You know, I've sat with so many people over the years and they've come back to me time and time again and the relationship has broken down again or the work, the job has broken down again or the situation has come up again and again and again and every single time it's always somebody else's fault. Aren't you fed up with that? Aren't you weary and burdened of blaming everybody else rather than the boss who is inside of you? And Jesus has come to me. You who are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. 
That word rest there. Jesus says in another, in another verse, I'm going to give you rest and I'm going to give you peace. Not as the world would give, but I'm going to give you something different to that. And I think what the world would give, and Dan said it when he led us earlier on, what the world would say is that, okay, I'm going to stop the fighting and then you'll get peace. No, no, no. I'm going to give you something in the middle of it. Not as the world will give you, but as I would give you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Don't we need that at the start of this new year? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. On Friday, I was walking over Clint and praying for the new year and thinking around this morning. And and as I thought around this verse, uh, these verses and and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me, which I know is a bit weird if, if you're new to all this. It wasn't an, another voice. It was just this real sense of God. And for me, there's a story where, where Jesus is resurrected and he's walking along the road to, with, to Emmaus. It's a place uh, with these two guys and they don't recognise it's Jesus. Uh, and eventually they, they recognise it's Jesus. And they said, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us? And that's what happens to me when I hear the voice of God. It's like I get like this sense of heartburn, you know, and I know it's not anti-acid, all right? I don't need to take a Rennie. I know it's God speaking, and I knew that this was God speaking to me, and it was speaking to me about this verse, and I've read this verse many, many times. I've preached from it, and I believe God said to me, Leon, the problem you have is the word learn. You see, when you look at the message translation of this, it's really interesting. It says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, the problem you have, Leon, is that you don't want to learn, you want to download. You just want it downloaded. You just want click and pay. You just want it instant. But you have to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's a process, isn't it? And I've been a Christian a long time and I am still in that process of trying to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Taking responsibility for the emotions that are within me. And guys, whatever is in you is in you. It will always come out of you, whether you like it or not. And Jesus says to you this morning, if it's in you, let it out. If it's in you, let it out. Come to me. Come to me and let it out. If it's grief, let it out. If it's fear, let it out. If it's lust, let it out. If it's insecurity, let it out. If it's anger, let it out. Because if you don't, those closest to you will experience the overflow of what is already in you. And I want to say, Friday night is a great opportunity for us in a safe space to let out some of that stuff. To invite God as we worship together, as we pray together. There will be opportunities for you to engage with different, uh, you know, tools and ideas. And there will be space for you to hear God and to listen to God. And together, collectively and individually, Friday night will be an opportunity for us to say, Hey, I'm going to come to you, God, as I am and give my heart to you again at the start of this new year. I have three questions for you to think about at the start of this series. Three big questions to consider. Number one is this. Which of the following has a way of becoming the boss of me? Anger, guilt, insecurity, envy, fear, greed, lust. Now, we're not going to look at all of those over the next six weeks, okay? We're going to look at some. So which of the following has a way of becoming the boss of me? Number two. What does it sound or look like when I'm taking my cues from the answer to question one? So for you, what does it look like when anger is the boss of you? What does it sound like when envy 
is the boss of you. And I'm finding uh, preparing for this material very, very challenging to me. Very, very challenging. Because often, you, you know, if you come out and think, oh, no, I'm not an envious person, aren't I? I think actually all of us are, if we're really honest. What does it sound like for you? What does it look like for you when, when, when you're taking your cues from whatever is the boss of you? And then finally, the third question, what is my first indication that I'm about to hand over control? It's a great question. What is my first indication that I'm about to hand over control? And what we're going to do over the next six weeks is we're going to look together at what the Bible says about how we handle these emotions that compete for control and how we at the start of this year say, Jesus, we want you. We give over control. Let you be the boss of us, not that anger, not that greed, not that fear, not that insecurity, not that lust, but let you be the boss of us. Is that a good prayer to pray? Is this a good prayer to pray? I think it is. I want to invite the band to come back up. And I want to ask you a question as we come into a time of response now. How's your heart today? How's your heart? And you know, maybe your, your, your heart is, you know, you know, is great and everything's brilliant and there's nothing that's defiling your relationship with, with, with others and with God and, and there's nothing in you that's spilling out. There's nothing like that. And brilliant, that's great. Then Jesus says, brilliant, come to me anyway. Come to me with a full, healthy Healed, whole heart. Brilliant. But that's not my heart. That's not my heart. I know I've got some stuff in my heart at the start of 2020. I've got some fear. I've got some anger. I've got some frustration. And here's the thing. What I think is brilliant about God is God doesn't say, bring your heart to me when it's sorted out. He says, bring your heart to me as it is. And when you come to him, what happens? There's a brilliant uh, little verse in an Old Testament obscure book called Ezekiel where where, where the prophet says, um, uh, and when you bring your heart, in this case, a heart of stone, he says, I'll exchange it for a heart of flesh. So whatever you bring to him, he'll exchange it for something better. Okay? So if you've got greed in you, he's going to exchange it for contentment. If you've got anger in you, he's going to exchange it from some peace. He's going to swap it. He's going to do that when we come to Him consistently. But not only will He exchange it, but He'll also empower it. He says, because I'm going to put a new spirit in you. Then He says, I'm going to establish you in a new place in your life. And wouldn't it be great if in 2020, you and I would be established in a new place in our life. And we said, you know what, this year, Jesus, I'm not going to keep repeating the same old cycles of the past. I'm not going to let those bosses boss me around this year. I'm going to surrender to you and you'll exchange my heart and you'll empower my heart and you'll establish me in a new place and in a new space together. So I want to invite you this morning, if this is your prayer, if this is your prayer at the start of this year and you want to say, Jesus, this year, I want you to be the boss of me then I want to invite you to stand with me right now. If you're not ready for that, that's fine. But if that's you, then I want to invite you to stand. And why don't we just lift our hands out in front of us? Not because this is weird or spooky or makes God all attentive. This is about us. This isn't about Him. He couldn't love you any more than He loves you right now. He is not, He couldn't be any more present with you than He is right now. This is not about you. This This is not about Him. This is about you. But you're opening your hands to say, Jesus, there are some emotions in me that compete for control. And God, I want to bring them to you 
at the start of this year. And Jesus, as I bring them to you, I am surrendering them to you. I do not want to be bossed around by these emotions any longer. Because when I do, it defiles me and you. It damages me and others. And it destroys what you want to do in me. And I don't want to do it any longer. So I want to let it go. And I want to begin that process of handing over these emotions to the boss who is bigger than any of them. So Jesus, we surrender to you this morning. We surrender to you. And at the start of this new year, at the start of this new decade, we say, Lord Jesus, would you be the boss of us? Would you be the boss of us? In Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing, and we're going to go really old school on a song this morning, but it is the best song that I can think of to say what I wanted to say and what I believe God wants us to say about giving Him our heart. And as we sing this song, there's a variety of things that you can do this morning. You can take communion. We've got communion here on this side and in that back corner there. Maybe, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never handed over your life to Him. Maybe you've never for the first time said, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Then you can do that. Wouldn't that be amazing on the very first Sunday of 2020? Wouldn't that be incredible? And one of the things you can do is right in the back corner, there's a cross. And in the cross, there's a a little kind of um, bowl at the base of that. And there are some cars that are just very simple. And they just, you can just fill that in and you say, hey, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus at the start of 2020. And you can do that at the back. There's a third way that you can respond. I'm aware that for some of us this morning, we are carrying some stuff and we're aware of it. And maybe you're going back to school, you're going back to work or college or uni or, or, or you're going back to a situation in January right now and your heart is heavy right now. We would love to pray with you and for you. Rather than the prayer space, I want to come and invite you to come and stand maybe down here and some of our, our prayer team will come and stand with you and pray with you and for you this morning. That may be your response. So here's the thing. What has God said to you today and what are you going to do about it? What has God said to you today and what are you going to do about it? And if any of those responses would help you as we sing, then I'd invite you to do that. So as we sing, and that may be the response that you want to do, that's fine. You can take communion, you give your life to Jesus, or you can come and we would love to pray for you at the front. Jesus, I pray that in these moments of response and encounter, God, we'd be so aware that you are closer than the air that we breathe. And you invite us, you invite us to come all who are weary and burdened because you're going to give us rest and to learn the unforced rhythms of grace as we surrender our, the control of our life, not to the emotions that boss us, but to the boss who gave his life for us and who lives in us by his Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So as you sing, I want to invite you, if you want prayer, just come and stand at the front. Communion is over here or at the back. And there's the cross in the back corner as well as we sing.